this new bonus podcast is called, Is It Inconsistent That God Sent His Son Jesus Christ to Save Us? But some in the books of Daniel, Jonah, Micah, and Haggai had consequences where they died. I felt led to do this research because there are some who try to dissuade others from believing in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because he has punished people over time, where some people have died. Having read the Bible from cover to cover many times, I wanted to research specifically to see if these consequences were unwarranted, as they suggest. To do this research, I will use the New King James Version of the Bible, also known as NKJV, and internet resources as needed. Since the Bible sometimes uses the word him and the word he within the same verse, I will include who is speaking and who is being spoken to within brackets, if I determine it's beneficial for clarity. Additionally, I will put my analysis, comments, observations, and conclusions within brackets as well. For those who would like to read this research or previous biblical research projects in their entirety, you can go to either of these two blogs I felt led to create. Biblical Proof, found at https colon double backslash biblical proof b-i-b-l-i-c-a-l-p-r-o-o-f dot blogspot b-l-o-g-s-p-o-t dot com or do biblical inconsistencies really matter at https colon double backslash biblical inconsistencies b-i-b-l-i-c-a-l-i-n-c-o-n-s-i-s-t-e-n com. Within brackets, I have notes. At times, the same event will be in two different books of the Old Testament. In that case, I will analyze the event most often in only one of the books of the Bible, so the research is not re- repetition. Also within brackets, the thing is, God gives us choices. We can choose to follow him and his statutes, but when we don't, there are consequences. Most often explains what he expects or wants and has prophets that will do this for him. But there is always the alternative for those who worship idols, live wickedly, and lead others astray. The brackets continue. Although those listening to this on the podcast can't tell, on the blogs I mentioned, I will have the portions highlighted in yellow that shows God's compassion, the negative consequence of their choices in green, and when they are warned in turquoise. Additionally, note, God often uses prophets to warn people of their poor choices, but regardless, God has already shared the Ten Commandments with his statutes to not worship idols and false gods as well. Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 through 28 says, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your dream upon your bed were these. Chapter 2, verses 44 through 47 goes on to say, And in the days of these kings, and I have within brackets for clarity, four kings who ruled the kingdoms after Nebuchadnezzar, it goes on to say, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, then it broke in pieces the iron and the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known 
there was a statue in the dream said, this would make it repetitive if I said all that before in this. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, well, that's fallen on the feet, on his face, before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him, to Daniel. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of God, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, since you can reveal this secret. Within brackets I have, when the king's magicians, etc., could not explain the king's dream, God let Daniel know the meaning of the image with the head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, and uh, legs of iron, and feet of iron and clay. And he tells the king. Next, Daniel 3, verses 12 through 29 says, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard. These, this is an aside. These are um, Daniel's associates. And they also worship the true God. They have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your God, which is false gods, or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, nor worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all the kings of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast? men bound into the midst of the fire? He answered and said to the king, True, O king, look. He answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. And, and that's a capital G because that's the true god. Uh, therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made as an ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Within brackets, I have King Nebuchadnezzar is enraged when his men tell him that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't worship his golden image. So the king chooses to have them thrown into a fiery furnace, but God rescues them. God, uh, king Nebuchadnezzar then chooses to have the consequence of death for all who do not worship the true God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Next, Daniel 4, verses 26 through 27. Um, wait a second, I made a mistake. I mean, it's still that, but I put the analysis before and not after. Okay. 4, 26 through 27, as Daniel foretells to the king, and inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you. After you come to know the, that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sin by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening or prosperity, a lengthening of your prosperity. That's the word for you didn't make any sense. And I apologize. I don't profess to be the best typist or um, person to share, pronounce these words. I just pray my way through and I hope you forgive the way the Lord does. All of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is it not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power? my mighty power and the honor of my majesty i express that because that's the basis of the key part of this passage while the word was still in the king's mouth a voice from, fell from heaven king nebuchadnezzar to you it is spoken the kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field they shall make you eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with dew, the dew of heaven, till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised him and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He 
says, according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and am. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my noble, nobles resorted to me, and I was resorted to my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the honor of the king of heaven, all, the, all of whose works are truth, and his ways justice, and all those who walk in pride he is able to put down. This is an aside before I get into the analysis. He's speaking from experience because he was prideful like Babylon the Great is because of me and all of that I've done. And God had foretold this to him that he's supposed to have a humble spirit and turn to God. And he didn't and he had the consequence of it. Now I'm this is my analysis. God has Daniel foretell to the king what will happen if he chooses not to follow God's will. Those things come to pass when he thinks that it is by his own personal might that Babylon has come, become so great. When King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges that God is all-powerful and it is and is the true God, the king is restored to power. Daniel chapter 5, verses 3 through 31 says, Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king, and I have within brackets, his belt to scar, and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man had, man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's counselor's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hip were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known its, to the king its interpretation. Then the king Belshazzar was very troubled. His countenance was unchanged, and his lords were astonished. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom, on whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, the Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. The name sounds familiar, but this has a T in it, and the other doesn't. I mean, the present king's name does not have a T in it. And the previous king nicknamed Daniel Belshazzar with a in it. Now let Daniel be called and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is the one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the spirit of God is in you and the light and the understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. 
Now the wise men and astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretation and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory, and honor. And because of the majesty that he, which is God, gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and he became prideful and took credit for his country being so wonderful, and he thought it was because of his efforts that the country was wonderful. That's what he means when his heart was lifted up. And his spirit was hardened in pride. He was just deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints whomever he chooses. But you, his son, his son Belshazzar, no chief, have not humbled your heart Although you knew all of this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. That means he brought the vessels from God's temple. He used to drink wine. Before you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and his own and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, which is the most high God. And this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Many, many tekel upshurin. Um, This is the interpretation of each word. Many, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have. Weighed in the balances and been found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold on his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he could should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain and Darius, the Mede, was received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Within brackets, I have when King Belshazzar is having an elaborate feast, a hand writes three words on the wall, but the magicians could not interpret the meaning. He is told about Daniel and asks him to interpret the meaning. Daniel tells him, the king, that in spite of the consequences father had gotten for choosing to become prideful and not giving God credit, King Belshazzar has taken objects from the temple of God and has chosen to worship false gods so the kingdom will be taken from him as a consequence. The next portion is from Daniel 6, verses 4 through 28. 
Give me a second. I gotta do this again. I did it two times in a row where I had the, the analysis before the passage. Okay, Daniel 6, verses 4 through 28, like I said, it that passage says, so the governors and the sad crap say crap. So it's some kind of government official. I don't know exactly. Sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him. King Darius, live forever all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the means and the persons which does not alter. Therefore, Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down in his, on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard to, for you, O king, for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. He prays three times a day. God. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which a king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the man, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went into his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose early, very early in the next morning, and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God, send his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so that they have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent before him, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him, Daniel which is Daniel, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him, because he believed in his God. This is the true God, 
capital D. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, their, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones and pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I have made a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the, the Persian. Within brackets I have the other government staff were jealous of the attention that Daniel got from King Darius. So they chose the plot against him and suggested the king throw him in the lion's den because Daniel chose to worship God instead of the king or his statue. Um, God's angel shut the lion's mouth and Daniel was unharmed. God used this situation to prove to King Darius that Daniel's God is the true God and King Darius had the consequence for the government staff and families to go to the lion's den as they had suggested should have happened to Daniel. Jonah 3 verses 1 through 10 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was, was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. That means to walk from one side of Jonah to the other, I mean Nineveh, one side of Nineveh to the other side would take three days walking. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh and he wrote from his, arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by, I had a small N on Nineveh, I need to capitalize it. By the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their work, that they may, that they, turned away from the evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it, which is very, very significant in my opinion, but I need to tell you the analysis. Jonah had been reluctant to warn Nineveh of their evil ways. After he had been swallowed by a great fish, when he, I didn't tell you about all of it because I'm just doing the research part and trying to stay close to the focus of the research topic. After he had been swallowed by a great fish, when he chose to refuse to warn them the first time, Jonah warned Nineveh when God told him the second time. The king of Nineveh and the people chose to heed God's warning, though through Jonah and they chose to change their evil ways, so God no longer had a need for a consequence for them. Micah 7 verses 18 through 20 says, Who is 
had gone like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. Within brackets, I have Micah, God's prophet, is sharing how forgiving, loving, compassionate, and merciful God is to us simple human beings. Haggai 1, verse 13 says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke to the Lord, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. Within brackets, the Lord's messenger was told to tell God's people that he was with them. He God was with them. Haggai chapter 2 verses 3 through 5 says, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you, do not fear. Chapter two, verses 21 through 23 goes on to say, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and all those who ride in them, the horses and the riders shall come down. Everyone by the sword of his brother in that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. In brackets, the Lord tells Haggai to tell Zerubbabel and Joshua that they and their people have been chosen by the Lord and he will be with them. Now I have, how do we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to save us? Think about it. How could the exact things done to Jesus be predicted all these hundreds of year, plus years before his birth? If it weren't for God, the Father having prophets write these predictions down to be included in the Bible. God knew that some would doubt. So he left us biblical evidence. So we know Jesus is truly the Son of God by fulfilling these predictions. This is the prediction in Psalm about Jesus being God's Son, God letting David know something he will say to his only begotten Son, Jesus. I will declare the decree that the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my Son, this day I have begotten thee. This is from Old Testament, the book of Psalm, verse 2, verse 7. I mean, Chapter 2, verse 7. The New Testament proved this prediction was fulfilled. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten. That's from the Testament Acts, verse, chapter 13, verse 33. This is predicting a virgin will bear the Son of God. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you abhor shall be forsaken of both her kings. That's from Isaiah 7, verses 14 through 16. 
the New Testament proof of the prediction being fulfilled. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you your wife Mary, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from all their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. From Matthew Chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The next is a plot to betray Jesus, predicting the 30 pieces of silver Judas was given to betray Jesus is used for the potter's guilt. And I said unto this is Old Testament prediction. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it into it unto the potter, a goodly price that I would. I have within brackets priced of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. That's from Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 through 13. The New Testament proof that of the fulfillment of that uh, prophecy is, and they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed them. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 7 through 10. This predicts Jesus' disciple, Judas, would betray him. Nay, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. That's from Psalm chapter 41, verse 9. This is more than just New Testament proof of fulfillment, because this particular Bible passage shows Jesus knows full well he's going to be betrayed by Judas. Who else could do that but God's son, Jesus? When Jesus had said these things, oh, this is at the last one. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. This is an aside. That's speaking of the apostle John. Not John the Baptist. John the Baptist had already been beheaded before then. But, um, but this is the apostle John. And he often speaks to himself in third person. And he also says that he's the disciple that Jesus loved all those all the disciples, but anyway, he even loved Judas, but Judas still betrayed him. Um, okay. Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him, which is Apostle John, to ask who it was of whom he, which is Jesus, spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus's grasp, he, which is Apostle John, said to him, which is Jesus, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he, which is Judas, to whom I give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And the 
having dipped the bread and key, which is Jesus gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, which is Judas. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he, which is Jesus, said this to him, which is Judas. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we have need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor, having received the piece of bread. He then went out immediately, and it was night. That's from John, Gospel John 13, verses 21 through 30. Here's more test, New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. And this is after the Last Supper, when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And while he, which is Jesus, was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer, which is Judas, had given them a sign, them, which is the soldiers, a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he, which is Judas, went up to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they which is the soldiers came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. That's from Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 50. This predicts that Jesus will be beat and spit upon before they crucify him. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from the shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. That's from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 6 through 7. This is the New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus and was hit with whips, uh, sometimes I've seen pictures where it has like straps like whips that it's uh, Smaller, not the big long whip, although he was whipped a long one too. But sometimes they have like barbs or uh, beads or something that cut into the skin. Anyway, and I can't tell you which it is, but those are the pictures I see. He delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, they stripped Jesus, and put on him a scarlet robe, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him, and they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment, his clothing, on him and led him away to crucify him. That's from Matthew chapter 27. Verses 26 through 31. Within brackets, I have Jesus knew he would have to go through all of this in order to save us from our sins so that believers could have salvation in heaven with him someday. If it were me and I knew people were going to spit on me, mock me, beat me, it would have been a real game changer. But Jesus went through all of this for us anyway, knowing all of this in advance. Next is predicting bystanders would divide Jesus' clothes and cast lots for his coat. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 18. The New Testament proof of the prediction being fulfilled 
Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verse 35. The next predicts the piercing of Jesus' hands and feet when they nail him on the cross. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked. I have in the brackets uh, in the word enclosed me, and they pierce my hands and my feet. That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 16. The New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. The same day Jesus arose from the grave, which is Easter. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Oh, I do want to tell you. This is not at the beginning of Easter. This is later in the day where Jesus goes into this building. I kind of think of it as a cabin. And so later in the day, Jesus is approaching the disciples that are in the cabin. Okay, so I'm going to go back so I read the whole thing and you can get a feel for the context of it. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed that they had seen his spirit. And he, which is Jesus, said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh, and bones as you see I have. When he, which is Jesus, had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. That's from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 40. Next is hundreds of years before Jesus was born, it was predicted what Jesus would say on the cross when he had died for our redemption. Unfortunately, I have this out of sequence. It should have gone before they saw his hands and his feet. But that's what I have. Okay, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. The New Testament proves this verse was fulfilled. It's in Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 through 46. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is predicting Jesus wouldn't suffer corruption. His body wouldn't, in other words, his body would not rot. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. This is from Psalm, verse 16, verse, chapter 16, verse 10. The fulfillment of this verse is in John 20, verses 25 through 29, when Joseph when Jesus shows himself again to the disciples the second time after rising from the grave in a, in, within the passage of how, how long after, you know, he showed himself in the evening and various ones saw him earlier in the day on Easter, but in the evening he came to uh, the cabin that I call it where Jesus showed him the first time, but Thomas wasn't there and this is about Thomas is an encounter, and this it, it'll tell you when it is. Okay, I get ahead of myself, but it, you should hear it within the context of the passage. The other disciples therefore said to him, which is Thomas, they have seen the Lord. So he, which is Thomas, said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he, which is Jesus, said to Thomas, 
reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Within brackets, you have heard all these predictions of Jesus being the only begotten Son of God, his birth, betrayal, death, and resurrection, and the fulfillment of these. Here are some additional noteworthy passages. So you are not led astray by those who would try to dissuade Christians from believing in God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jude forewarns us, those trying to lead believers astray from the love of God and Jesus Christ is sin. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I have come, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men kept unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's from Jude 1, verses 1 through 4. This is an aside, not in brackets. But it is that, um, more or less, it is that Jude is telling us that there are men that profess to be Christians, but they're not really Christians, and they twist uh, God's laws and uh, faith in Christ around and, and, and make it evil and try to um, lead people astray. The next is about Jesus Christ, God's Son, who washed our sins from us when he died and arose from the dead. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's from the revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Within brackets, I have Jesus tells John in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, he says, stay strong, hold fast, and repent, because Jesus comes like a thief in the night, night, and believers undefiled shall walk in white with him. And Jesus will not blot out their name from the book of life, but will confess their name to God the Father, and they should focus on what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Be watchful and strengthen. Jesus is saying this is all in red text in the Bible. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I am not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and thou shalt walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white, I have within brackets clothes, and I will not blot, and white means um, forgiven, sin-free, um, pure. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's from the revelation of 
Jesus Christ, chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. Within brackets, I have, after all my research analysis, I have determined that it is very consistent that God so loved the world that he has given his only begotten son to save us. But that sum in the books of the Bible have had the consequence of some of the people have lost their life as their consequence. God gives them and us choices. Still within brackets. If we worship the Lord God and, and follow his statutes, he will provide for us and support us. But if we choose to turn our back on him, he will turn his back on us. Still within brackets. Much in the same way as it says, um, I lost my place. Much as, as it says in Deuteronomy 7.16, Also you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eye shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. Why is it significant that God gave his only begotten son to save us? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. First John chapter 4, verses 9-10 through 10 says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation or substitute for our sins. First Peter chapter 1, verses 17-21 through 21 says, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the, of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. In brackets, I have not only do I base my analysis on all the predictions about Jesus in the Old Testament and fulfillment in the New Testament, but also on the following Bible verses. When he, which is Jesus, had been baptized, baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's from Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Next, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, which is the Jordan River, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. You might think, wow, that's pretty much the same thing. And you're right. It is pretty much the same thing. I put all of those things because they're additional proof that Jesus Christ is really the son of God and really gave his life to, and rose again to save us because there are quite a few different people who, have, who saw Jesus saw the things he did, heard the things he said, 
And there are some who also um, interview witnesses and recorded that information too. Do they say it exactly the same? Well, in Matthew 3, 16 through 17, it says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Mark 1, verses 9 through 11 says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, they do say the same thing, but they are not the exact word for word the same. So different of the apostles and disciples have recorded things and they paraphrase things but it means pretty much the same thing. Sometimes there's differences, like in the passage from Mark, he says that uh, they had just come from Nazareth of Galilee, where the passage of Matthew didn't do that. So sometimes there are some of the apostles, disciples, who uh, record additional information, some fewer. Some uh, only record something if it hasn't been adequately recorded. Apostle uh, John does this quite often, but hasn't been adequately recorded in the other gospels. Or he might only record the part that he doesn't think was addressed before. Or he records other things that weren't recorded in the other gospels. But uh, it's an important additional proof that Jesus Christ is really our Lord and the Son of God. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. That's from Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. And John, which is John the Baptist, bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, which is Jesus. I do not know him, but he, which is God the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who, he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And again the next day, John, which is John the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's from John chapter 1, verses 32 through 36. Now these are at Jesus' transfiguration before he's betrayed. After the, um, yes, before he was betrayed. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud and saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased hear him. That's from Matthew 17, verse 5. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. That's from Mark chapter 9, verse 7. While he, which is Peter, was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. That's from Luke 9, verses 34 through 35. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Oh, Jesus is saying this. This is in uh, yeah. Say, Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's from John chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power of 
and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Remember John 3, 16 through 21, where Jesus says, For so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in God. My advice to you is to follow Jesus, the light of the world that can lead believers to salvation in heaven with him someday. You have to say some fancy prayer, sign something, do it in person in a church, or have somebody officiating over it. No, all you have to do is say in your heart, quiet prayer, and I believe Jesus is my Savior. Help me. Teach me. Whatever you want to say, God acknowledges that. And he forgives us our sins. Are we perfect because we're Christians? No, it's two steps forward, one back, or one step forward, two back. But if we keep turning to God and forgiving him and asking for Jesus to show us the way he will do that and someday we'll join him in heaven. I want you to know that since this is an example of the positive influence God has made on my life through the Bible, this podcast that I shared with you may not reflect all of the whole meaning of the Bible verses and passages I have shared. They're just how this particular Bible verse or passage related to my life and how it makes the Bible more personal to me and my daily walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us at Relate to the Bible. I look forward to you joining us next time where you will hear more examples of how you can relate the Bible in ways that are especially meaningful to you.